You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Exodus chapter 12. Going to try to illustrate again this morning, and I hope that it's a visual that will stick with you and help you in your spiritual walk with the Lord. Exodus chapter 12. I'll start at verse number 1 because I just couldn't find a good place to cut in and read down to verse number 11. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. I don't normally cut in, but I want to say this and, and then move right along. But men, do you know that there's been a lamb provided for you to take back home to your house? There's a lamb provided that every man ought to take back home to their house, and his name is Jesus. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall eat, keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. They shall take of the blood, strike it on the two side posts and the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, but roast with fire, his head and his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remains of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And look at verse number 11. And thus shall you eat it. With your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. I'm going to read that again. This is how we eat it. You need to have your loins girded, you need to have your shoes on your feet, and you need to have your staff in your hand. I feel that in my spirit this morning. And you need to eat it in haste. In other words, don't be slow about it, because this is the Lord's Passover. These scriptures are instruction, and there's so much revelation that we in no way in one setting can go back and look at. But these scriptures are a setting preparing the children of Israel for, I believe, one of the greatest deliverances that we could ever read about. After they follow these instructions, getting to verse number 11, they are now, and I'm going to use this for a thought this morning, they are now set for deliverance. They are set for deliverance. Will you help me pray this morning that the Lord would move and help me to preach. Father, I love you today. I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. And I thank you, God, for the opportunity to be able to preach and to teach this morning. 
I'm asking you to move, God, upon every single heart, every individual that is represented here this morning or those that may watch later. I'm asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to do something that I cannot do. And, Lord, that is to begin to deliver, God, and to break the things that binds us, Lord, in our heart. Lord, open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and anoint me to preach and to teach. And, Lord, I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. Well, it's been on my heart, this message, this text has been on my heart for some time, and I felt this morning was right. I was sitting on a tractor doing some bush hogging yesterday, and uh, just kept bowling over and over in my spirit, and uh, I, I think I would be wrong if I went anywhere else this morning. When we talk about deliverance and we talk about the power of God, to change the heart, to deliver us as individuals for whatever it is to be bound. It's always a subject that, uh, well, sometimes it's a subject that we want to have privately. There are some things that are obvious that people need to be delivered from, and then there's some of us, and I said us, that have things in our heart that we need to be delivered from, we just don't want nobody to know it. Amen? And so it's always, it's one of them deals, and that's another reason I'm thankful that the person of the Holy Spirit deals with us on an individual basis. I don't have to air out my dirty laundry to everybody. And God the Holy Spirit's not going to air out my dirty laundry. But I do have to take advantage of His process of uh, God's prescribed order of victory and allow Him to continue to work in my heart and work in my life. There's no doubt in most any setting, any setting where two or three are gathered, there are those listening that has a bondage in our heart or has something in our heart that, and look, I said just two or three, that needs to be changed, that needs to be transformed. And if, if we're truthful this morning, if we allow the Holy Spirit to have access to, to truly inspect our hearts, now, I'm asking you to be real with me this morning. If we truly allow the Holy Spirit to inspect the depths of our heart, Pastor Brian said it in one of the forgiveness classes, that we need to be careful when we say, well, God knows my heart because you know what? He does know your heart. He does know your heart. And if we are honest and we allow the Lord to truly inspect our heart, listen, just me simply mention it, something's come to your mind. Something has come to your mind. God the Holy Spirit saying, this is what we're going to talk about this morning. And if we let him have access to our heart to change that, and I, I, let me back up and say this. When we talk about a bondage, we talk about uh, the, the, uh, whatever it may be, I want you to know that not everything falls under the heading of addiction. Sometimes a bondage can be a hindrance that keeps us from moving forward in our walk with God. It can be anything that moves forward. It is not a bondage is not has to be drugs and alcohol because it's literally anything that imprisons the believer and hinders us in our walk with the Lord and keeps us from moving forward in what the Lord has called us to do. It's quiet. Well, I thought bondage was just an addiction. No, sir. No, ma'am. Because there are people that have a bondage in their heart that is keeping them from walking 
and what God has called them to walk in, or whether it's a calling, whether it's, it's something else. But because of a wall that is there, sometimes too often we sit on the, I'm going to preach in a minute, but i got to talk to you. Sometimes we sit on the other side of the wall and we take for granted that we're saved, we've been justified, and we get okay with that, and we refuse to go forward. I'm preaching good. His Old Testament type says that the term backslidden was an ox that was in the field pulling a plow, and all of a sudden he refused to go forward. The farmer driving and pricking and doing everything he could to get him to go forward. Listen, the ox was still in the field, but when he got to a point that he refused to go forward, the farmer would holler, backslidden. And if he was backslidden, that means he locked his hawks and he'd done everything he could. And the next step is to remove him out of the field. Sometimes we just lock up and we refuse to go forward. Oh, this is better than I thought. Most messages, now let me, let me teach just a little bit more. Let me say some things a little bit more. Most messages, and all, I could almost say all messages in regards to deliverance, are a message, look, I grew up in the best churches under the best pastors. I know what the anointing of the Holy Spirit is all about, and I've seen God do some powerful, powerful things. That if you didn't know the character of God, you wouldn't even believe if I told you. But if you're a Bible-believing Christian, and you know you are accustomed to the power of God, you would begin to believe it. I've seen God do some powerful things. But most messages in regards to deliverance is a message that is going to stir somebody up. It's going to get us excited. It's going to make us feel good. And it's going to make us walk out of the church feeling, and the old term is, like we can whip the devil with a switch. And I want to tell you, I won't put God in a box because we know that God can do anything that God wants to do. And if He wants to instantaneously uh, break a bondage in somebody's heart and somebody's life, He can do that. A lot of messages are... I'm trying to be kind this morning because I'm going to put it all in a bounce, balance, but a lot of messages are a lot of hype and they're all about the shout and they're all about the dance. They're all about getting to a prayer line, letting me lay hands up on you. And I'm not talking down about that. I will probably do that in just a little bit, but uh, they're all about me laying hands up on somebody and when they shouted or when they fell in the Spirit, I'm getting deep now and everybody's getting quiet, when they had fallen in the Spirit or when they spoke in tongues, well, they were delivered and we went on and there was nothing else that ever followed that. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. I think that it's fair to say that there is nothing wrong with the power of God falling in a prayer line and moving upon individuals and they feel in the presence of the Lord. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with your dance if it's of the Lord. There's nothing wrong with your shout if it's of the Lord. There's nothing wrong with falling in the Spirit. And I refuse to use slain because it's not in there, but falling in the Spirit if it's, if it's of the Lord. But let me tell you this. That does not mean that you are delivered. That means that God the Holy Ghost is there in your presence to move upon your heart. But a one-time experience does not do you for the rest of your life doesn't do you for the rest of your life 
And most every message I ever seen that. And here's what I want you to understand. I got to tell you this, there's nothing wrong with it, but I'm going to boldly say it's not complete. It's not complete. If they didn't teach you how to walk in the Spirit when you got up from there, when you went back out in the church, if you don't know how to let God move up on your heart on Monday morning when the real battle comes, see, the, the, the devil, the enemy of your soul, he's probably not tempting you a whole lot right now. But Agape House, wait till we get out of the program. Wait till you get back out into the real, real world. What do I do then? Where do I go now? You see, if I don't teach you how to walk in the Spirit and let God work in your life when you're in a true battleground, I ain't seen nobody walk up here and try to hand you something to try to tempt you this morning. But when you get back on the street, listen, when you get back home, when you get back at your job and the real battle continues, what are you going to do now? Let me tell you, if you know how to walk in the Spirit, you're going to have victory after victory after victory. If you don't know how to walk in the victory or in the Spirit, you're going to fall flat on your face, and here's what happens. i got to slow down and teach. If I just have a prayer line, and you come up here and we pray for you, and the power of God moves upon you, your faith and your mentality is going to be in a prayer line and somebody praying for you. But if I pray for you and God does something great and I follow up with telling you this, I'm not a deliverer. I'm not your answer. These men are not deliverers. They're not your answer. A one-time experience is not your answer. If I point you to Jesus Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary and teach you how to walk in the Spirit, hey, listen, on Monday morning, I may not be in church in the church house, but I'm walking in the Spirit. On Tuesday, I'm not in a church, but I'm walking in the Spirit. On Wednesday, I can't get a hold of my pastor, but I'm walking in the Spirit. God, the Holy Ghost, can do more for you uh, than any man could ever do. Now, I got to walk in the Spirit. I got to point you to Jesus Christ and teach you how to walk in the Spirit if you're going to have victory after victory after victory. We need both, to be honest with you. I'm not going to put God in a box. We need both. We need to believe that God is able to deliver you instantly, but we also need to teach how to walk in the Spirit so that you know how to walk in victory when you get out of here. Because I'm going to preach to me, and this may not be you, but if I'm believing God to deliver me something, I'll be the first to tell you, I got more, close your ears Sister Becky I've got more than one thing wrong with me I've got more than one thing that I need the Lord for and so if I'm not a walking in the spirit then here we are I'm, I, I have, I'm crippled in my walk with God and here's the product of that and I'm trying to move on we get discouraged the enemy tells us it was nothing it was a waste of time we don't want to go back to church because it didn't work. The one-time deal that we were expecting to work, it didn't work. So we just give up and we just quit. I'm sorry for all of my uh, fellow men, and I say fellow men. I'm careful who I rub shoulders with, but all preachers that told you that deliverance will come by a one-time deal because that's not biblical. We have to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to cut in and bring us up to this text. And one of the greatest stories of deliverance, in my, in, in, in my opinion, and... Uh, that I, I want to I back up just a very little bit and I'm going to get right to my text because I want you to see this. Moses is a type of Christ here and he is chosen as the great deliverer of Israel. He is the mediator 
between man and the old law. He is a type of Christ in, in, the, in the way of a mediator. He is to com- and he is commissioned to command Pharaoh, the enemy here, the enemy of our soul is a type of, to let God's people go. After a meeting that he had with the Lord on the top, on the backside of a desert, and seeing God or watching the fiery bush that was not consumed, and he had a meeting with God, and God said, this is what you will do. You will go down, and you will tell Pharaoh to let my people go. The time has come that my people will walk in freedom, and I want you to go tell them. Then after an argument there back and forth, Moses is obedient to the Lord. I know I'm skipping a lot, but i got to get to the point of the message here, and, and Moses is obedient to the Lord and he goes down and he tells Pharaoh that God said to let my people go. Let my people go. Pharaoh refused. The reply was no. Anybody in here ever wanted freedom but the enemy said no? He don't let go very easy. Let my people go and Pharaoh says no. Because the enemy doesn't give up easy. He didn't give up easy then, and he didn't give up, don't give up easy now. But listen, just because the enemy doesn't give up easy, God doesn't give up easy either. Every time Pharaoh would say no, God would counteract and come to him with a greater force of power than what he did before. Pharaoh would say no, and God would say, watch this. Pharaoh would say, there ain't no way, and God would say, set back, Moses, and watch this. Pharaoh would say, I'm not going to do it, and God would say, okay, well, I'm going to do this. But God never quit. Listen, it's a great reminder. If you won't quit, God won't quit. Now, There was ten plagues against Egypt. We had the water that was turned into blood. The plague of the frogs. That would have done my mom in right there. The plague of the lice. The plague of the flies. The plague of the cattle being uh, dying. The plague of bulls. The plague of hell that beat their, uh, their, their crops down. The plague of locusts. The plague of darkness. And finally, there was the plague of death. Every plague, listen was an attack on the different gods that Egypt served. Everything that Egypt served in. And there's at least two things here that happened that I want to bring to you about this. At least two. First of all, of all of the things that Egypt was trusting in, God proved that His power was greater than. Amen. The second thing, it's a great example of, as Egypt was trusting in these ten gods, God proved that this, everything that you are trusting in outside of Him has to be destroyed. If you are trusting in willpower, it will have to be destroyed. If you are trusting in your own efforts, it will have to be destroyed. If you are trusting in something some other man said, it will have to be destroyed. God doesn't need something else added to Him. He just needs you to trust in Jesus and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. He'll take it from there. As a believer... I've got to be careful not to mix my faith, and that's why I'm careful what I listen. I don't want to mix with my faith with my own efforts, my works, with a man-made idea. The power of the Holy Spirit is still greater than anything else that I have available to. The power of the Holy Spirit is greater than every bondage that ever imprisoned a man. And the power of the Holy Spirit only works in one way, and that is that the believer will put his faith in Jesus and what he's done on the cross of Calvary. I like to say 
that because I'm going to say it again. Uh, anybody and everybody can be free from anything and everything by the power of the Holy Spirit and you access it by your faith in Jesus and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. And yes, that means you. That means you. Talked to a man last week. Said he was used for the last 28 years. That's all he knew. He began to reach out and we began to reach back and witness and testify to him. He said, I felt more love in the last three days than I felt in my entire life. The power of God working in him and through him. I want to go to our text, and I want to bring this to you. If you've got your Bibles and you want to look, or if you want to look on the screen, verse number 11. Will you help me, Jake? Jake is going to just stand right here. He is a type of an Israelite, of a believer that's in bondage. And I want you to, I want you to think about this. First of all, in verse number 11, I'm not going to be before you long, but I, I, want, to, I want to bring these to you. In verse number 11... The first thing he says is, this is how you need to eat it. So he went to the men of the house, he went to the families of Israel, and he said, look, I'm getting you ready to be delivered, and we're going to walk out of this place into a land that I have promised for you. The blood is going to be applied to the two side posts and to the hedge, and, all, and it's not done at, at this part of the scripture. He's just giving them instructions. But he says, this is how that you're going to eat it, which tells me this, or I'm going to present it to you like this. Every child, every ch one of the, the children of Israel had to make a decision. Now that God has made provision to set me free and to deliver me. If I'm going to be delivered, I've got to sit down at the table. I don't know if they said it, doesn't say that, or stand, whatever it is, but I'm going to have to partake of it. The Lord says, this is how that you're going to eat it. So the first thing we got to decide in regards to a bondage or something that needs to be changed in our heart is this. Are you going to receive of it? Because some people don't really want to be delivered. They just don't want to be in trouble. Are you going to receive of it? Literally, the word eat means to receive and to partake of it. Am I going to partake of it? And he says this. I've already laid out the way. There's a specific way that you're going to have to do it. The Lord's way, yet simple, is very specific. There is one way to receive all that God has, says, has given and given us access to. And it's all by faith in Jesus and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. Do you know there's no need of going any further if you've got your mind made up that I'm happy with my bondage and I'm happy with whatever's in my heart? I'm not changing. I don't care what that ugly preacher says up there. I'm going home just like I want to go home. You know there's no need to go any further. But if I can find somebody that is sick and tired of a bondage, if I can find somebody that is sick and tired of a bondage ruling and reigning on the throne of their heart like a king, if I can get somebody that says, you know what, I need a change, and Jesus is the change that I'm looking for, if I could just find one that would eat and receive of it, then I will show you one that will walk out as a free man by the power of God. Amen. I've got to be willing to receive it. I've got to have my mind made up. I'm going to have you standing for just a little bit. I'm sorry. But in my, my mind, my heart, I pick on them all the time. 
I could have uh, Brother Greg to stand, and I'm not going to do that, but Brother Greg Hopper put, that had used drugs over and over and over again. I've been into programs and rehabs and different things. It's okay. Hey, he told his testimony publicly, so I guess I can use it. But been in different programs and different rehabs, and one more time, he's, he, he wasn't a quitter, but one more time, he pulled into a, a hospital, a place to try to find freedom and try to be dry, and he pulled in there, and he said, Lord, I already know this ain't going to work. It never worked before, but I believe that what you've done on the cross of Calvary is able to set me free. Uh, he never even got out of his truck. He never even opened a door. He never even went in and let them know he was there. He pulled in the parking lot uh, as a man bound by drugs, uh, started his truck back out and one pulled back out as a man free by the power of God. It's all comes down. Do we want it? Do we receive it? I'll pick on her, Renee sits back there, and she went to a church house one morning, not even knowing if I, I even want to be here or not. Went to church one morning, and the power of God began to move and deal with her heart. Uh, an elderly lady come back there and put her arm around her and said, Do you know Jesus? She said, No. Do you want to know Him? She said, Yes. Uh, she was saved, born again, baptized into Jesus Christ, walked out, deleted phone numbers, uh, and has never went back to it since. Delivered by the power of God. Delivered. Here's the thing. The Lord didn't make you take it, did He? God didn't make you take it. If you don't want to receive it, there'll be no need to go on. An individual first has to be tired of the bondage. And here's what we need to know. If we're ready to be delivered, if we're ready to be changed, God can do it. No matter the bondage, no matter the stronghold, no matter how long you've been using, no matter how long you've had that bondage in your heart that is keeping you going forward with the things of God, you don't have a bondage that is greater than what the blood of Jesus Christ done for you. I told I made a statement one time in an open class. I said, you can lay out crystal methamphetamine or whatever it is in front of me. I don't even know what you're talking about. A lady boldly come to us later and she said, well, I don't know why you think you're qualified to speak of it then. If you've never seen it, you've never tried it, you don't know the power of crystal methamphetamine. And I said, no ma'am, I don't. But I do know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I know that it's greater than anything you've ever tried. Still greater. The Bible says this, eat it. Have your loins girded. Can you get the girdle? I want you to see this. I want a visual. I want you to leave with a visual. Have your loins girded. Now, this is a makeshift loin, but it will, use, it will work as an illustration this morning. We need the other one. It's got, there you go. Gird up your loins. Why did they gird up their loins? Think about this. The loins was, I need you to be mature with me, but the loins was and is the reproductive part of a man. This was something that they did in that day and that hour is they girded up their loins and it was a type and an example of, there is nothing, I'm going to pick on Jake because he don't mind. If Jake has a bondage in his heart, and I don't know what the Lord's dealing with his heart about, but here's the thing that the Lord wanted him to know. There is nothing that you can produce that is going to set you free. There's nothing you can produce that is going to set you free. It irritates my spirit when I hear people say things like, well, I got to try harder. I just got to try harder. 
You work yourself to death, but it's not going to break a bondage. Because your bondage is greater than your trying harder. The loins girded. Nothing I could produce. It symbolized me depending upon an outside strength. I've got to depend upon a strength that is other than anything that is going to come from me. A great example is when Elijah was on top of the mountain. He's on top of the mountain and the drought was over. He sent his servant. He said, go see if you see rain coming. He went seven times and finally the servant came and said, I see a cloud the size of a, hand, a man's hand. And Elijah told Ahab, he said, you better get down from this mountain because now I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Ahab got in a chariot with horses that were used to pulling a chariot. They took off. Elijah girded up his loins and he outran a team of horses, which is a miracle in itself. Let me tell you something. There's nothing that you can produce that can set you free from the bondages of sin it's got to come from an outside source and that source is Jesus Christ he said this for a person to be delivered and truly delivered from anything and continue to be changed it's going to have to be a miracle it's going to have to be a miracle it's got to be somewhere other than myself now he said this I want you to put, can you take your boots off? Did you wear your holy socks this morning? This is how he stands so far. I want to tell you something. I want to show you something. He's barefooted. He's got socks on, but he's barefooted. Anytime in the Bible days when they took somebody captive, the first thing they'd done, took their shoes Because then they were crippled and they couldn't run like they wanted. When the Lord told Moses he could tell the children of Israel before they ever eat, go ahead, I want you to put your shoes on. He was saying this, you are no longer, because you have chosen to receive it, you are no longer a captive. You are set up now as a free man. Oh, I thought that was good. You don't have your shoes on. You got your shoes on now. That means you're no longer captive. We are ready for for what God's got in store. When it was first, they there's the first thing they done when they were captive, and this is one of the things they done to get them ready for deliverance is to put the shoes back on. It's not only a type here of they're no longer captive, but it's a type of them going to have to walk in the spirit if they're going to make it to the promised land. Deuteronomy twenty nine tells us. That their clothes and their shoes for a 40-year journey never wore out. They never waxed old because of the power of God. Now, I love Durango boots, but they're not going to last that long. For 40 years, they never got old. What does that mean? That means this. Walking in the Spirit will never grow powerless to be able to change the things in the heart of man. It's good for today. It's good for next week. It's good for your last day till the day you take your last breath. If you will walk in the Spirit, God will not give up on delivering you. He says He will continue to move. God's way will never be insufficient for us to walk in. And then he says this, I want you also to place your staff in your hand. What was the staff for? The staff in the hand was a symbol of authority. 
We recognize the staff first, probably more prominent, is when Moses brought his staff. Moses would cast the staff down at the feet. Well, let me back up and say this. When Moses was talking to God up on top of the mountain or up on the backside of the desert, he said, Moses said, what am I going to take? And was asking what I'm going to use. And the Lord said, what is it? What have you in your hand? He said, I don't have nothing but a staff. And the Lord used it as a symbol of authority and would work through that staff. Now, I don't know if y'all seen Sister Davis's cane back there, but it looks like it's got snakeskin on it. I said, if you cast that thing down this morning, it throws in, it turns into a snake, I'm out of here. I'm gone. The staff was a symbol of authority. When Moses cast it down, it turned into a serpent. He also used it at the point of the Red Sea where he would raise his, his rod up, raise the staff up again. The Red Sea was parted. He also was commanded to smite the rock and the water flow, begin to flow from a rock. It was a symbol of authority. It was a symbol of power here. The Lord is, has said, I want them to have their staff in their hand. Our symbol of authority is the name of Jesus Christ given to us to use by permission. John chapter number 14, Jesus said that anything you ask in my name, I will give it as long as it is according to his will. That's our symbol of authority. Now, again, the church a little bit mixed up, but I want to try to clarify this a little bit. Jesus gave us permission to ask in His name, and at that name, that is not just another name. It is a name far above any other name that God has given Him, and it's a name of authority and of power. Now watch this. It's not my authority. It's not my authority. It's not my power. I'm using borrowed authority. It's His authority. It's His authority. I'm still, my faith is in Jesus. I, I get a little cringe a little bit when people say, you've got the authority. Got to be careful. You're changing their faith to Jesus, to them. And when we change our faith, then we are now crippled. He says, you have the power, the authority in my name. I'm going to let you use it. Now, I'm going to say something this morning. Some are not going to agree with, but uh, I feel like I need to say it anyway. His authority that I have access to means this. It means a privilege of force. I have a privilege of a force of power to use when I need to use it. That force is greater than any bondage in my heart and in my life. How many has ever been oppressed by the devil and you went, in the name of Jesus, I'm coming against this spiritual darkness? I have a bondage in the name of Jesus. I'm coming against this bondage. I have a hindrance. I'm coming to, in the name of Jesus. I'm coming against this hindrance and use that name as, as a source of power because there's power. Peter used it when him and John were at the gate called beautiful. The beggar was begging, give me silver and gold. He said, I don't have any silver and gold, but such as I have, I give it to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he went running and leaping into the building, into the temple, and they knew it was him. I'm going to tell you this, what I see. I see a lot of people using it for attention. I see a lot of people using it on other people's lives. But let me say this, preacher, teacher, believer, if you won't use the name of Jesus in your own life over your own circumstances, what gives you the right to proclaim it on somebody else? 
I won't believe God and I won't come to God in the name of Jesus for what is ailing and what is bothering my heart, but I'll stand in the prayer line and in the name of Jesus ask God to do something for somebody else. Listen, if you're not trusting in that authority on your own life, you don't need to waste your breath on somebody else's. It's not preached, it's not taught, but it's still true. I need to trust Him for my own life first. If I won't, if I won't, if I won't let God work in me, I don't need to trust him to work on somebody else. And then he said this, eat it in haste. It literally means to eat it quickly, get ready. The moment that the blood is going to be applied, the bondage is going to be broken. The moment the blood is going to be applied, the bondage is going to be broken. You know how soon it was? It was so immediate that Pharaoh got behind them. Pharaoh no longer was saying no. Pharaoh didn't even say, if you want to, you can go. Pharaoh was telling Moses, you get those children of Israel, get their stuff, and you get out of my land. I want you gone. Wouldn't it be something? The enemy had such a hold on you, but the power of God is so great that the enemy just says, whoa, I want them gone. I got to let them go because of the blood of Christ that's been applied to their life. He said, eat it in haste, get ready, get quick. And 2,000 years ago, the blood of Jesus Christ was applied. It was made, let me say it like this, it was made available to be applied to whosoever would believe upon Him, whosoever would allow Him to, to, uh, to cover their life. He would break the bondage of sin, baptize them into Jesus Christ, raise you up as a new creation. He never raises what He buries uh, and gives you the unction that now you can walk in the newness of life and be set free set up for deliverance to be delivered from anything and everything that would ever be a bondage in the heart of man so he tells them this gird up your loins you got to understand there's nothing that you can do or produce that can break that bondage put your shoes on you're not going to be a captive no longer get your rod in your hand I'm going to give you some authority to use in the name of Jesus and then I want you to get, get to eat and eat it fast. Eat it quickly because we're about to march out of this place. And the power of God began to move as they struck the blood. I'm about to quit. They struck the blood on the two side posts and upon the hedge. And death came in that night. And everybody that had the blood applied to their life, he passed over. He left them. Every house except for the children of Israel had somebody dead in it except for the children of Israel, he passed over them. They were given victory because the blood of Christ. They set themselves up to be delivered. And the blood of Christ was applied. And no longer could the enemy hold them. I haven't preached it like I wanted to preach it or like I did yesterday on my tractor. Probably every deer in the forest got saved as I was coming by them woods. I could feel the power of God moving. A couple of rabbits begin to jump. I gotta, I'm just imagining maybe they felt the Lord. I don't know. But come to tell you this morning that anybody and everybody can be free from anything and everything. I don't care what your bondage is. Or listen, again, I'm not going to limit it to bondage. I don't care what your hindrance is. Because of what Jesus has provided for us on the cross of Calvary, you don't have to stay where you're at. You can be free. And you can take that next step of faith and let God continue 
to work in your life. Can I get my singers and musicians real quickly? Thank you, sir. You can. There's a song that they do that I asked them to do this morning. It's a powerful song, and I'm just going to ask the Lord to do what I can't do, and that is to move upon your heart this morning. I don't know if you have a bondage, if you have a hindrance, if you have something in your life. But I do want to tell you, and they're going to tell you even better than what I can through this song, through this course. That doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter how long it's been there. Jesus Christ has never lost a battle. He has never lost a battle. And if you'll trust him this morning, if you will turn over the battle that you're trying to fight, you will find that he will be more than a conqueror for you also. He's never lost a battle. Would you help me? He is my faithful father calling me out of the dark. And I cannot whisper away what he said in the light. He is my first. Think about it this morning. Storms may collide, but my soul is on fire with his word. Come on, we've been set up for deliverance. He has never lost. He, is never he has lost. never lost. The battle, he is the only healer. healer. His love will we'll never fail. Hallelujah. Come on, sing it. Hallelujah. I come alive with this promise inside of my heart. Hallelujah. Come on, if you want prayer, it's a good time to pray. Hallelujah. Jesus has broken the curse. That's never lost. Hallelujah. He is the battle. Come on, worship with us just a moment. It'll never fail. Hallelujah. My belief. 
Lord, I pray you to deliver this morning. Hallelujah. He is my strong high tower. Hallelujah. I come alive with this promise inside of my heart. Hallelujah. He is my strong high tower. Hallelujah. He will not fall. I that. the power of the Holy Ghost move this morning. I come alive with this promise inside of my heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus broke his curse. He is never lost a battle. Who are you, great mouth? You should not bow low. Hallelujah. Jesus is breaking the He is never lost a I want to give you an opportunity this morning. They're still playing. Keep it going. If you got a hindrance or something in your heart and you want to come, oh, I'd love to pray for you this morning. I'd love to pray with you this morning. You see, I still believe in the power of the name of Jesus. I still believe that God can transform a man. I still believe that God can bury the old man and raise up something new. I'm not going to get nosy. I'm not going to ask you anything. But I'd sure love to lay my hands on you and pray in the name of Jesus that he would change whatever it is in your heart that you're asking God to change. Right now is a good time. Come on, join in wherever you want. Would you come this morning? If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.